Welcome to the Building Healthy Organizations podcast. We understand how the human brain works and how that impacts behavior in the workplace. I'm glad you joined us today for our continued journey to understand how to build a healthy organization. Nothing happens until a sale is made. Have you ever heard that phrase? I hear it from a lot of business owners, leaders, sales managers, and while it seems a bit mercenary in its focus, there's a lot of truth to that statement. Here's another one. Cash is king. Or maybe we could expand it a little bit and say cash flow is king. I know that's true in my business and it's probably true in yours as well. Question for you. Is it easier or more difficult today for you to generate the revenue that you want than it was previously? My guess is the answer to that is yes, because that's what I'm hearing from a lot of the people that I work with, whether they're business owners or leaders or salespeople or business development professionals. Consistently, what I'm hearing is it's more difficult to get the sales, to get the revenue generation than it used to be. However, as I'm studying this and asking a lot of questions and surveying people, the reasons behind why it's more difficult may surprise you. Have you ever tried to influence someone who was distracted? Or have you ever tried to sell something to someone who was distracted, had their mind somewhere else? If you have, then you know what a challenge that can be. And how do you deal with that? And what emotions does that generate for you? I know for me, I get a little frustrated if I'm trying to talk to someone and they seem distracted or they keep looking at their phone or something else is going on. But do I really know what's going on? Why would someone not focus on you and what you're trying to say to them when you're interacting with them? Well, it's probably for the same reasons we do that to other people. Something else is on their mind and is generating emotions that are distracting them. I want to take a minute and just say a word or two about emotions and, and the place of emotions in our lives and in our work. Have you ever had the answer to someone else's problem? But when you share that with them, they look at you as if you've grown a horn in the middle of your forehead. Okay, I know that's a little graphic, but I want to make a point here. I cannot begin to count the number of times I have had business owners or leaders or managers just completely discount the impact of emotions in the workplace. Why? I honestly believe, and this is my belief, I honestly believe they are afraid to admit that emotions play a huge role 
in decisions, in actions, in behavior. Because if they did, then they'd have to do something about it. And it's not really an area of strength for them. Well, there's good news about that. That can change. Emotions are simply neuroscience at work. Yes, emotions are a science. The skill set to create a healthy emotional environment is called emotional intelligence. And you probably heard of that. Think about some of the most critical measures in the workplace. Engagement. That's the emotional commitment someone has for the effort and for the organization. How about trust? The feeling that others are trustworthy, fostering greater collaboration. What about satisfaction? Being fulfilled in the work. Innovation. A feeling that there is a better way to do something and a desire to find it. Motivation. The source of energy to get things done. There are so many more key measures that have a significant emotional component. This is why emotional intelligence has become the most important skill set for the workplace. Don't just take my word for it. Check out Harvard Business Review or Forbes or just about every other well-known business journal. EQ, or emotional intelligence, studies, research, and articles show up frequently in these publications. So I want to go back to drivers and detractors. Emotional drivers, emotional detractors. Emotional drivers move things forward. They add energy. They enhance focus. They create options and possibilities. Increase interest, uh, increase motivation, increase optimism. Emotional detractors inhibit forward movement. They keep people stuck. They derail productivity. They drain energy and focus. What can we do about that? So let's go back to the main focus of this episode, which is nothing happens until a sale happens, or a better way to say that maybe is how do we increase revenue generation in today's world? Where does a sale happen? I have asked that question countless times. I get many different answers. In reality, a sale happens in the shared mind space that the salesperson creates and then invites the buyer in. That's where the sales happen. This is a very important concept to understand. Top salespeople get this. Either consciously or subconsciously, they understand this. They become adept at creating and inviting and engaging shared mind space. And they do a great job of welcoming the buyer into that place. How does all of that happen? I want to talk about 
what I call the science of sales. And this could be revenue generation or business development. It could be fundraising. Fun- this could be very applicable to fundraising as well. There is a process that I want to talk to you about. It's called hot cognition. Feel free to look that up or Google it, whatever. What you're going to find, hot cognition happens when the emotional part of the brain impacts and influences the rational part of the brain. Now, some people may see that as a bad thing. Absolutely not. You make your best decisions when you use your whole brain. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Both the rational and the emotional parts of your brain. So what does that look like when we're talking about revenue generation? Call it sales, call it fundraising, whatever you want to call it. What does that look like? I'm going to give you four simple steps to ignite hot cognition when you're selling, when you're fundraising, when you're doing business development. Step number one, the buyer or the donor needs to trust the salesperson. Trust is the rocket fuel of the process. Without trust, it is difficult to move the process forward and the likelihood of experiencing roadblocks and resistance is much, much greater. Getting the buyer to trust the salesperson, not as much the product or the service itself, is very critical to sales success. This happens when the salesperson is seen by the buyer as a person, not just another salesperson. So how do we do that? How do we increase trust? By showing the buyer that the salesperson is more than just a representative of company. They are a real person with real passions, real hopes, real dreams. Pictures of a salesperson's loving family, a special moment with family that's shared with the buyer, uh, sharing how the salesperson serves others, maybe some charity work. If the buyer can see the salesperson as a person, things change and trust increases. Now, what, what's happening there? What is the neuroscience that's at work in this? When a buyer sees the salesperson as a loving and caring individual, oxytocin is released in the brain of the buyer. Oxytocin is the hormone that is most closely related to feelings of trust and familial or family relationships. Oxytocin will create levels of trust far beyond that of logical features and benefits of products and services. It's a, it's a completely different ballgame at that point. This engages the mirror neurons these are neurons that we all have in our brains that help us sense the emotions of other people. So this engages the mirror neurons in the buyer's brain in very positive ways. Step number two, the buyer needs to feel rewarded if the sale happens. This is when the buyer increases their belief in who they will become what they will have or what they will be able to do if they buy from the salesperson. 
Think of it as them being able to visualize the reward that will come to them. The human brain is amazing. We can actually experience good things, rewards, good consequences before they ever happen. Our brain is the only brain that can do that, the human brain. So how do we make the buyer feel rewarded? When the salesperson can paint a picture of who the buyer may become, what they will have that they desire, or what they'll be able to do when they buy, this creates desire based on the buyer's beliefs of what could be. The salesperson can help the buyer to imagine what is possible, thus igniting the reward system in the brain of the buyer. What's the neuroscience at work here? When the buyer believes that desirable outcomes are a result of the purchase, then dopamine, the reward hormone, is released in the brain. The buyer's mirror neurons kick in, helping them to experience this reward, even though it's not yet a reality. Dopamine provides a powerful reward experience. Step number three, experience and generate happiness or joy when the buyer is with the salesperson. When the salesperson uses humor or brings accounts that are enjoyable to the connection with the buyer, the buyer is more relaxed, more comfortable. They receive enjoyment in their connection with the salesperson. How do we help the buyer experience that happiness or that joy? The salesperson can use humor and relate stories that are full of joy or positive outcomes to create deeper connection with the buyer by engaging the buyer's brain in a more relaxed and a more optimistic mode. What's the neuroscience at work? When the buyer experiences happiness or joy in connection with the salesperson, just being around that person, Again, the mirror neurons are at work in the buyer's brain, signals the buyer to release endorphins. Endorphins create a good feeling in the brain of the buyer. They can be more relaxed and they can experience an increased amount of enjoyableness with being there with the salesperson. It is a, it's a fascinating process that happens. And I'm sure you've been there. Have you ever been around someone, yes, even a salesperson, that you just enjoyed being around? It was so comfortable to be around them. You could experience the joy, the, the enjoyment of just being around that individual. Maybe it was a leader. In a lot of ways, leaders are salespeople as well. So that's the neuroscience that's at work here. Number four, the fourth step. The buyer experiences a driving desire to buy. When all of these elements come together, the buyer can experience a driving desire, excitement, enthusiasm, call it what you want, to move forward and to make the purchase. So... How do we generate a desire to buy in the buyer's brain? Well, 
if the salesperson were to use powerful questions like, what if? This moves the buyer to consider what it would be like to move to that better place or what it would be like to live without the pain that they've been having around the problem or the issue. There are so many ways to generate that desire. And remember, before this happens, the stage has been set with steps one, two, and three. And so now there is trust and now there is this feeling of being rewarded and the possibilities that come from that. By the way, do you know that losing something is two and a half greater times a driver than gaining something? That's research has shown that over and over. So loss is two and a half greater times a motivator than gain. So if someone sees that thing that they could become, that reward they might receive, but then they come to a point where I might lose that if I don't make this purchase, that's very strong. That is a strong motivator. What's the neuroscience at work here? When the buyer is motivated to this degree, adrenaline is released, which is a driving and motivating hormone. It's an action hormone. It motivates the buyer to move forward, to act. It creates a win-loss choice in their mind. If they buy, they win. If they don't buy, they lose. Now, all of this may sound like manipulation, and it could be if it was used incorrectly. So don't go to the dark side. You know, stay, stay on the light side. Stay with the force. Bottom line, if you use this process correctly, not only will you make the first sale, you will most likely make the second and third and the fourth. And as I tell people when I teach them how to sell better, how to accelerate their sales success, through what we call the EQ Fit Smart Selling Process, which includes everything we've just talked about, really getting into that, that shared mind space and creating a very inviting place for the, the buyer to come in. When that happens in a good way, you can keep a client for a very long time or a customer for a very long time or a donor for a very long time. So, where do we go from here? As I mentioned, this is something that I train and coach people in. A scientific approach to selling that incorporates how our brains work and uses that understanding to accelerate success. This is not a replacement for other sales techniques, it's a multiplier of sales success. It adds an entirely new dimension to those other techniques. When this approach, what I call the EQ Fit Smart Selling Approach or method, becomes a natural part of the revenue generation effort, then everything becomes easier. In my experience, the biggest roadblock to closing a deal is when an emotional need is not being met in the mind of the buyer. 
I've seen this happen over and over again. And way back in the old days, when I was a sales manager and I was writing with salespeople, I cannot even count the number of times that the salespeople missed the emotional needs that the buyer was expressing. It's almost as if they didn't see them or they decided that's not something I want to deal with. Maybe they're a lot like some of those owners and leaders I've talked to recently who really don't want to deal with the emotional side of things. But we know from recent research, emotional distress in our world has gone up hundreds of percentages, 300% in the United States. People are dealing with a lot more emotional burden than we ever have before. You cannot remove emotions from the workplace, but you can learn to navigate them well, both in yourself and in other people. I want you to think of a time when you were being sold something. Why did you decide to buy or not to buy? If you drill down far enough, you will find an emotional driver or an emotional detractor that influenced your decision. Well, the same thing is happening every day for buyers all around the world. Emotional drivers, emotional detractors. How do we best deal with those things? By learning the skill set of emotional intelligence, the science of sales. How do we apply neuroscience to what we do and create a far better place for all of us to work together? Do you want to enhance your revenue generation? Do you want to cut through all of the noise so you can get the buyer's attention? Then ignite hot cognition in the mind of the buyer. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Building Healthy Organizations by EQFIT. We do understand how the human brain works and how that impacts behavior and performance in the workplace. We also love hearing your suggestions and ideas. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please send us an email at info at gscfit.com. For more information and inspiration, check us out on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and of course our website, eqfit.org.